Welcome to Policy Ish Talk, an ACI podcast where we sit down with policy experts, industry leaders, and top academics to discuss today's toughest social, economic, and policy questions. I'm your host, Chris Bushuk. My guest today has three decades of experience as an entrepreneur, CEO, and investor. John Chisholm is the CEO of John Chisholm Ventures, a startup advisory and angel investing group. He's the past president and chair of the MIT Alumni Association, a member of the MIT Corporation, and a trustee of the Santa Fe Institute. He's also the author of Unleash Your Inner Company, Use Passion and Perseverance to Build Your Ideal Business. Welcome to the podcast, John. Chris, thanks so much for having me. So the pandemic seems to have emphasized the importance of non-traditional employment, what some would call gig work or independent contracting. John, you have extensive experience both as an as an entrepreneur and as a startup advisor. How essential is the use of independent workers or independent contractors for startups? Well, it's very essential, Chris, in my experience, and I've started multiple companies since the early 90s uh, for two reasons. One is a startup doesn't have all the skills that it needs uh, on staff. Um, <clears throat> an entrepreneur might need to hire a marketing consultant to help with the business plan or to assess a market opportunity or a, a software developer uh, architect to uh define the overall architecture of the application they're developing that can be followed by software developers later. Uh, these are skills they might not need indefinitely. They might need for a short period of time. And so to try to hire these people if, as full-time employees just would not make sense. The second reason uh, they're so important is, is financial. Uh, when you're getting started, mo the overwhelming majority of startups don't have much in the way of capital. Uh, they're started by savings of the founder uh, or loans or maybe a modest investment by friends and family. Uh, and so you can't afford to hire uh, people full time initially. Uh, you uh, might be able to hire a software developer or a marketing consultant for a few hours a week. And then as you grow, get the business off the ground, maybe attract more funding. You could extend that to one day a week or two days a week. Uh, as you start getting revenue from customers, you might be able to further extend it and uh, gradually over time, turn that contractor into a full-time employee. If there's a good fit between the for, for both parties. Uh, and, and so it makes getting a company off the ground possible. If you had to hire all of these people as full-time employees from the outset, even as part-time employees with all of the associated costs of having an employee as compared to a contractor, uh, you wouldn't be able to get the company off the ground in many, and I dare say most cases. Uh, it would be like trying to climb a ladder of many tens of feet high when the first 10 feet of rungs were kicked out of that ladder. You'd have no way to reach the first rung at 10 feet high 
it, it's just too high a threshold for you to reach. It would be the same way trying to start a new venture uh, without being able to use contractors. The pandemic seems to have also created opportunity for legislative action, both at state and federal level. So I do want to focus a bit on what happened in California with AB5, where California said that you need to reclassify contractors as workers, and Uber said this will put them out of business. And then they had Prop 22, which overrode AB5 on the question of whether app-based drivers are employees or um, independent contractors. What's your take on legislations like AB5? Because I feel like it obviously affected more than just Uber drivers, because there's a lot of different types of people who would call themselves independent workers. Absolutely. Uh Chris, um, independent workers span virtually every segment of the labor force. Uh, think about it. Journalists, entertainers, contract software developers, contract uh, teachers, substitute teachers, yoga instructors, healthcare professionals of all kinds, personal trainers, massage therapists, chiropractors, house cleaning services. I could go on and on. Many of these are critical workers. And uh, AB5 actually passed uh, well before the uh, COVID-19 pandemic happened. I believe it took effect on January 1, 2020 in California. That's Assembly Bill 5. And what it did was eliminate the possibility uh, in many, if not most cases, for people to work as contractors. Many people choose to work as contractors. I dare say most of them do. It gives them flexibility, lets them work whatever hours they want. Uh, they, uh, If a person uh, works for many different companies on a part-time uh, basis, it's, it's a really good approach for that. It gives them the flexibility to and, and security of working for different companies. Uh, what happened as a result of AB5, apart from disgruntled employees, uh, workers who did not want to become employees and lose the flexibility that they enjoyed uh, as contractors, was that many of them lost their jobs. Uh, there's one very notable example of Vox, the online uh, publication that hires contractors as journalists from across the country. And after AB5 went into effect, uh, Vox had to terminate all of the, or, or over 200 contract workers in the state of California, because of course, Assembly Bill 5 was a California state piece of legislation. Well, what a disservice AB5 did to the people, the, so many people who live in California. So, so those are examples of some of the impacts that we're seeing of, of AB5 and, uh, and efforts to eliminate uh, contract workers. I see. So we've seen very similar legislations being proposed in other states like New York, New Jersey, and Illinois, uh, and also at federal level too. John, what are the short-term and also long-term risks or dangers of misclassifying these independent workers? 
Well, the short-term dangers certainly include the immediate economic impact on the state that implements those those laws, uh, especially nowadays in this very fluid economy that we enjoy, where California, for example, has seen so many uh, people leave the state to go to other states, especially with the pandemic, uh, it's been proven and demonstrated how people can work remotely using Zoom and other online capabilities. Much of that will stay after the pandemic is completely behind us. So the labor force today has a new fluidity that it's never had before. And um, uh, states risk losing workers to other states and uh, risk uh, workers becoming unemployed. As if, as w- employers uh, focus their uh, labor force on those states that allow contractors. Uh, so that's kind of the, the short-term uh, impact, which I see as very negative. And the long-term impact, it, uh, I've already talked about how difficult it is to start a uh, new venture, uh, even with contractors. And uh, if you have to use contractors, well, that will negatively impact new company formation and therefore state and national competitiveness and economic dynamism. Uh, Startups are one of the things that makes the U.S. such a strong economy. We don't realize it, but most of economic growth uh, at either the state level or at the national level comes from high-growth companies, uh, smaller newer high growth companies. Uh, Large established companies mainly grow by acquiring established or or high growth smaller companies. And of course, very small companies, the number of employees tends to be small, so it doesn't impact uh, overall employment so much. But as those companies, uh, a few of them break out and grow rapidly, uh, that's where the employ- uh, growth of employment comes from. So uh, new jobs are created by generally young companies that make it uh, beyond the first few years and uh, move into high growth mode. It's a small minority of all the new startups, but if there are plenty of startups, there will be plenty of those companies that make it. So by impacting the number of startups, we also impact that small minority of startups that reach the high growth stage and therefore uh, new employment overall. So those are are some of the long-term impacts that I see, uh, reduced state and national competitiveness and economic growth and dynamism. John, I think you made a very important point over there because I think there's a misunderstanding that large companies are primarily responsible for the growth of independent contractors. Whereas if you look at data, the increase in usage was fastest for smaller right um, businesses than larger firms. So I think it's very important to highlight how um, 
startups and smaller companies are disproportionately af- affected by these legislative actions. But so startups, they, I mean, they need what's called venture capital funding, right, to be able to take off and grow. And as an investor, what do these legislative actions signal to you? Well, I'm an angel investor, uh, and I one of the things it would uh, signal to me is concern and reticence about investing in a company that was located in a region or a state that had that that disallowed the use of contractors. I have some serious reservations about that. Of course, I'm here in San Francisco, in California. Uh, most of the investing I've done has been in this state, but I realize how onerous uh, this new provision is for startups. And it definitely incentivizes me to look elsewhere outside of California to other states, to Texas in particular. Many uh, high-tech companies have shifted their headquarters from California to Texas in part because of new legislation like uh, AB5. And uh, venture capitalists have as well. And I think you'll see venture capital shifting to those states that have a less onerous uh, regulatory regime when it comes to worker status and uh, into Texas in particular. So, John, this push to reclassify contractors as workers is not limited just to United States. Actually, earlier this year, uh, the UK Supreme Court ruled that Uber drivers in the UK are workers and not contractors. So what precedent do you think does this set for the global economy, right? For and and the startup community, both here in the states and also in Europe. Well, legislators and politicians tend to focus on what is visible and tend to discount, dismiss uh, what is less visible, and the benefit to some workers who are retained uh, or who make the transition to from contractor to employee who want to make that transition uh, is is clear. They get some benefits they would not have gotten otherwise. Unemployment compensation, health care, uh, social security, Uh, These are all benefits that they would have to provide for themselves uh, as contractors and which, as employees, their employer becomes uh, responsible for. So all of that is very visible, even if it's on a scale, uh, even if it doesn't encompass everybody. What is invisible and what is so easy to overlook are the contractors who lost their jobs, who became unemployed, uh, who lost the freedom that they enjoyed of being able to work for whomever they want, whenever they want, uh, and the larger scale uh, disadvantages such as the reduced new company formation in whatever country or state uh, the laws are, are, are happening in, and 
uh, the lack of competitiveness of that country or state as a result of less new startups, fewer innovation, less innovation and so forth. So I don't find it surprising that uh, politicians, legislators around the world are attracted to this because the modest benefits are very visible and the extensive disadvantages are much less visible. So I would urge people to think about the unintended consequences. Uh, you know, it's, it's amusing to me that uh, the workers being laid off or fired, the contractors, uh, their services being discontinued as a result of AB5 in the state of California was called an unintended consequence of AB5. Well, for anyone for whom it was an unintended consequence, they just were not paying attention or thinking things through from the outset. It was so obvious from the very outset, and even before AB5 went into effect, that this kind of outcome would uh, result. So it's vitally important for us to ensure that our policymakers, our legislators, and our politicians think through the uh, consequences, the full consequences of new legislation like this before it goes into effect. And in your perspective, John, how should regulation adjust, if, if at all, so that workers get the benefits they want and need, but that it doesn't come at the cost of startups and innovation? Well, right now, workers are in a very strong negotiating position, as you know. Uh, there's great demand for workers. People can write their own ticket. And, many, and anyone with a history of you know, reliability and consistency and courtesy and passion and perseverance for what they do, all the qualities that any employer or would look for in a worker or a contract, in a worker, be it contractor or employee, pe people can write their own ticket. Uh, we're seeing how people are leaving lower wage uh, industries like uh, working in restaurants and fast food and uh being uh, new opportunities are available to them. When the economy is strong, when new jobs are being generated, as, in, as we've seen companies need to do. So I think the best way is to create uh, a dynamic, high-growth economic environment where if we just don't constrain the economy by undue regulation, it'll enjoy healthy growth. John... Thank you for joining the podcast and sharing your perspective. It's been my pleasure, Chris. Thanks so much for having me.